great to see you here. It really is. Thank you for coming out in the snow to be with us. It means a lot. Uh, time for Children's Church. Uh, we're going to do that now. Happy birthday, girl. Are you staying? You going? You can do either. Okay. Glad you're here. Um, we are in a series uh, that's been really exciting. It's called Meant to Be. And, and just a little background. You and I, really, regardless of whether we're church people or not, we kind of want to be like this tree, you know, big and thriving and growing and branching out and, and fruitful and just bursting with light, right? That's the way that we were meant to be. But if you and I are honest, we're, we're a lot like this picture, too. That in different ways, there are different puzzle pieces that may be out of place and some of them missing altogether. So through this series, what we're looking to do is, is to have all those pieces come together the way that they were meant to be. And so we're just taking this journey together and enjoying it. And, and it's, a, it's a walk through the Gospel of Luke, uh, which is a, a book in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, you'd like to follow along, please open them to the Gospel of Luke. If you do not have a Bible with you and you'd like to borrow one, check under one of the seats in front of you. Uh, there's brown hardback there. You want to be on page 976 this week. And if you don't own a Bible, you do now. That's our gift to you. We have saved you the trouble of stealing from the hotels. Take that with you. That's yours. Yours to keep. If you have your phone, your smartphone, with the free Version Bible app on it, please boot that up and quiet it down. Always, we have a live event for you, and all the screenshots are loaded on there for you. So, let's start here. Whether you're uh, a church person or not, whether you're a Jesus person or not, um, I believe that, that most of us would agree with, with this. Take a look and see if that's true. This quote. You can't walk through a broken world filled with broken people and not have some of that brokenness break you. Right? Would you agree? Hands up if you would. You can't walk through a broken world full of broken people and not have some of that brokenness get on you or get in you. Now, regardless of, of what you believe, this tends to be true, and most people would agree. Now, we use the word brokenness a lot here, and, and you, we can, re, we can re, re, respond to that. We can relate to that. Now, in the Bible, God uses the word sin to talk about brokenness, the way the distance between what was meant to be and what actually is. For us, the way that he's created you to thrive and be beautiful and to be that tree in the way that you and I are, that distance is, is sin. That distance is brokenness. So that's what we're talking about. Most people would also, I, I expect, would agree with this statement. See if this is true for you. See if this is true. My life may be good and even beautiful in some uh, respects, but thing, something wrong with my life, something wrong with my heart. And if I, I could just get past this, if I could just get rid of this, if I could just get over this, my life would be so much better. Now, those of us who are more introspective, if you're more introspective, if, you, if you're honest, I think a lot of you would agree 
that even though you have truth and beauty and life in, in some areas, that there are some areas where it's just not clicking, right? Now, others of you may say, no, dude, you don't know me. I appear to be all that, but really, I am all that. It's going on. Inside, out, top to bottom, wherever I am, it is, it is happening for me. It is as good as it looks. So um, you may feel that way. And God bless you. But, but if you don't, it, we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But if you would agree with this, and you probably also agree that our, our brand, our stripe of brokenness is as different as you and I are, right? As are the ways that you and I tend to address it or try to fix it or maybe in some cases ignore it and hope it goes away and just don't deal with it. Our brokenness, it's different. But here um, I came across, uh, if we could go back into um, historical literature um, and and look at um, a, a literary figure who has really deeply been associated with this kind of brokenness that we've talked about, I think there's something that you and I can learn from him. Let's take a look and see if that's not true. Something. What you may not have known is he's got moves. You know Humpty had moves. Okay, I'm going to ask you to provide the text, okay? Humpty Dumpty. Wait, wait, you're getting a Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. And what do you think's coming next? Yeah. All the and all the quitting. Beautiful. 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 I don't think this is a real church. I don't think he's a real pastor. Be that as it may. You're already here. You might as well see how it ends. That's a bad story. That's an awful story. It ends badly. Wouldn't you like to meet the first parents who thought it was a good idea? To tell our kids this before they go to bed. Oh my goodness. But in all seriousness, I think there's something that we can relate to here. And the dude wasn't doing anything wrong. He's just going through life. And life in a broken world leaves you broken sometimes. I want this to be an encouraging day. Because there's only good news. Only good news. I think the reason that they couldn't put Humpty back together again was that it wasn't just on the surface. I think it reached down into that hard thing that you and I were talking about. And I think this author was on to something. Lee Bennett Hopkins wrote, I never knew that Humpty's fall was something that someday comes to us all. That, that, that this nursery rhyme really points to the fact that nobody's getting out of this without some cracks, without some brokenness. And Jesus really recognizes that. And he loves us so much that he's about to come and do something radical 
to fix that, to do something about that. And that's where we're going to pick this up. We're in Luke chapter 4. We're going to start it in verse 14. If you've been with us, we just finished a mini-series called You Can Beat Temptation. And that's where Jesus was in the wilderness. And, And so that's where he's coming out of. Verse 14, here we go. This is stunning. Watch it. And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. And and a report about him went through all the surrounding country. Okay, Jesus is going viral, right? They're Twittering him. They're texting about him. Instagram, he's blowing up social network, right? And he taught in their synagogues, uh, being glorified by all, 16. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. That's his hometown. So he's going back. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And and he stood up to read. Now, that wasn't exceptional because that's how the the old services went. They they would have uh, leaders within the congregation read and, and pray and things like that. So here it, it gets really good. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll. Because they, they, they didn't have a book. It, it's, a, it's a scroll thing. So he unrolls the scroll and found the place where it is written. Now we're just going to take a pause there. Um, now Jesus is going to the section of the prophet Isaiah's writings. Now, if you have a Bible, you know uh, that that's one of the books, right? So uh, the prophet Isaiah, he's going to the part of that book that we now refer to as chapter 61. He's about to read the first two verses. And let me just give you um, the, the heading. This is what it's about. So the prophet Isaiah, like centuries before, is writing about, he's as a prophet, right? He is predicting, he is channeling, if you will, um, what the, the Messiah, the rescuer, the Savior, who will come in the future at the time of his writing, is going to do, is going to say. And, and this is the spot that Jesus is going to read. So here it is. Here it is. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is, we're talking jailbreak here. And recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, great news. Great news. Now, um, we're just going to wait just a second here. Because already, just in this little bit, we know four pretty stunning things about Jesus and how he feels about people. Here's number one. Number one, broken and hurting people matter to Jesus, right? He was talking to the, to the blind. He's talking to the poor. He's talking to the imprisoned, the oppressed, broken, hurting people matter to Jesus, which means that your life matters to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. If you are at all like me, sometimes you get to where you wonder, does my life matter? It's broken and scarred. Does it? It matters. It matters. He says in his first public identity, you matter. You matter. Number two, it goes even further. If you're an underdog, you're a top dog in Jesus' book. Jesus says, I am not only saying that your life matters, 
happened to be one of the ones who would not be the first pick in the game. I am going to pick you, and I'm going to do more than pick you. I'm going to make you stronger than the strong. In fact, I am going to do this. I am going to lead the charge to redeem and rescue all of creation, and I'm picking the people that nobody else would pick to be on their team because me in them is going to be glorious. You're not going to be able to believe it. So if you're one of those people that says, I don't even know if I have the strength to get to tomorrow without divine intervention. He has chosen you. He wants to use you to redeem and rescue all of creation. And the hair on the back of your neck should be standing up right now because you're his top dog. And number three, Jesus' mission was encouraging, was positive, was wonderful, was to heal, restore, set people free, not to judge, not to condemn, not to burden, not to shame them. Here's, here's the crazy-making part. Here's the, and we're responsible. We church folks are responsible for part of this. But there are some people who, like, avoid church like the plague. Or if they come to church, they, they hold back from really kind of going deep in Jesus. Why? Because they get this backwards. And we've helped them get it wrong, right? By the way we act and talk. Because they think that the purpose of church, the purpose of Jesus is judge, condemn, burden, and shame. It's not. It shouldn't be. It's to heal, restore, and set people free. And that kind of crescendos in this, number four. Jesus defined himself and his mission in terms of the people and things he was for. Not the people and things he was against. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? Now, regardless of whether, um, whether you're a church person or a Bible person, Jesus person or not, ask yourself this question. Do people know you? Do you, do you kind of put it out there that what you're about is the kinds of people And the kinds of things that you're for, that you want to build up, that you want to love, that you want to restore. Or the kinds of things in people that you're against. I mean, that's a choice that we can all make regardless of what we believe. Jesus, in his first PR move, to say, I'm coming out. And this is what I'm about, said, I'm for people. And by the way, I'm for a lot of the people that the rest of the world would neglect and reject. And not approve of and say, hey, you know what? You got cracks. You're broken. He says, yeah, that's why I'm coming. They're my peeps. Okay, so he goes on because it gets even better. Um, To proclaim, he says, in addition to all this, I want to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is delicious. It really is. He's saying, look, you happen to be attending. Uh, the announcement of a new time, a new season, a new chapter of history, of unprecedented favor. Regardless, look, don't even get hung up on whether or not you deserve it. You don't. I don't. Lady Gaga doesn't. Um, Billy Graham doesn't. None of us do. Unprecedented favor. Unprecedented grace. Unprecedented blessing. Unprecedented forgiveness. This is a season where I, God, am ready to do abundantly more than all that you could ask for or imagine. Okay, we're going to go on. And look look at this. Verse 20. He rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to him, to them, get this, this is the bombshell. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Okay, the boom was mine. But you get it, right? He's like, today, this thing that you've been looking for, that you've been waiting for, the waiting is over. I'm here. It's me. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. I'm the Rescuer. Look at my heart for you. Look at my heart for you. All the things that you thought were just dreams today, they're reality because I am he and I am here and I am ready to be more for you in all the ways you know that you need and all the ways you don't know that you need. I am here to fill in those empty spaces, to, to take those cracks in my hands and make them whole. I'm here to, to fill the holes. I am here to rescue you, to save you, to fill you. It's today. Do you believe it? He's essentially saying to them because your healing and your freedom and your joy and your comfort depend on whether or not you buy this because it will be done for you, as he says, as you have believed. And, and so that's what's going on in the temple that day. It's like, don't miss it. Here today, all that stuff that your ancestors have been looking forward to, pressing in on, it's here. Everything you desire is here. Now. And you and I have to make that same decision, whether we believe it or not. That's what we have to do. So um, if you, let's back up a little bit. If you have been hanging around church for any length of time, chances are you're aware of the fact that Jesus came to save us from our sins, right? He took our sins upon him. He went to the cross. He died as our substitute in our place so that we could be forgiven. So that regardless of our track record, past, present, future, we could be forgiven, not because we're good people, but because he's a good and loving God, right? And, and, and that way he can love us now. There's no relational distance now or forever, all because of him. Now, so you may be familiar that Jesus came to forgive, uh, forgive us and save us from sins, but a lesser known truth is that Jesus also came to save us, rescue us. That's what salvation means, rescue. To rescue us from the brokenness that comes upon us and it comes within us because we have walked and lived and been part of a broken world. He wants to rescue us from that brokenness, not just the guilt. So, so that is a big thing that he's talking about here. And he talks about that brokenness in four ways. He talks about four kinds of brokenness. And maybe you and I can relate to this. The poor. The poor. And you're going, well, yeah, I'm poor. I ate ramen last night. I'm poor. Or maybe you're saying, look, I don't want to get left out of this because I got, I got some money. No, no, don't get hung up on that. Now, did Jesus have like a socioeconomic, have mercy on the people who have no money? Absolutely. But here, primarily, he is using the same word for poor that he uses in the Sermon on the Mount. And some of you know that, where he was saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what, what is he talking about poor in spirit? What does that look like? They're the people who are really aware of their own brokenness. 
He's like, I've come for the people who know, man, they are Humpty Dumpty. Remember, we're down on the ground and you get the pieces. One has an eye, one has a That's them. And they know it. They know it. The people who, who sense their need for me, who need, sense their need for rescue, that, who know that they can't control their lives, who can't, the people who know they can't be their own hope, right? The people who are, look, whether people are looking or people are not looking, maybe just in their hearts they cry out, God, I need you. I really need you to come through for me because I may have a lot of stuff. I may have my house and my clothes and my phone and my technology. Look, if I don't have you, I don't have nothing. I may have a lot of things, but if I don't have you, I, I don't have anything. I'm poor in spirit. I am desperate for you, God. That, that's who he's talking to. Now, here's the weird thing. I want you to follow this. The opposite of poor, as in in spirit, is not rich. Did you know that? The opposite of poor in spirit is not rich. The opposite of poor in spirit is self-sufficient. Independent. And people go, like I... Yeah, I love a lot of people like this. They say, look, it doesn't matter what comes. I got this. I can handle this. The dominance of the human spirit. Look, you watch. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a survivor. I'm going to do this. Um, here's the ironic thing. This valley and this university um, tend to attract and cultivate people who have been described by others as fiercely independent. Fiercely independent. So challenge for us who are drawn here, who live here. Don't, don't, don't take the, the, the positive things about that. But the part that stops us from crying out and saying, at the end of the day, if I don't have you, I don't have anything. If you're poor and you feel like you can't go on unless you have divine intervention, he came for you. There's hope for you. Whether you're raising your hand in your heart or this, this is me. This is me. I hope this is you too. He talks about another kind of person. He talks about the captive. The captive. Now, sin brokenness captivates us. It puts us in prison. Now, not behind bars that we can see. Sometimes behind bars that we can see. I have friends that that are doing that. But most of us behind other bars. And here's the weird deal. Here's the weird deal. Like we live in the land of the free. And we go see movies like, what was it called? Blackfish? Was that the name of it? Was that it? Where you want... Um, killer whales to be freed from SeaWorld. And I get that. God bless you. And we go to the grocery and we want to buy cage-free eggs because we don't feel that it's right for chickens to live in jail. And I'm not criticizing you. God bless you for your compassionate heart. Here's the part I don't get. With all of that, you and I often walk around in the prison of guilt and shame and our past and our mistakes and our scars and our fears and condemnation or regret 
And what Jesus is saying is I have come to set you free from that. Free from that. Look, um, a lot of people over time have asked me about this. This is a chain link that's on my watch. This is a good time to tell that story. Um, This has to do with this. See, um, this is probably 10 plus years ago. I was at this event where um, a guy named uh, Joe White, some of you may know him, um, he was talking about the God in, in Christ who sets people free. And he was giving out these chain links to people who have been captive and have been set free. And I knew the captivity. I just did not know the depth of the freedom, right? And I knew um, that my captivity, my prison was acceptance. That I needed and craved your um, other people's acceptance and love so much that I would do, say, where, be anything that you wanted me to do, say, be, so that you would accept me, so that you would love me. And then there was Jesus who revealed his rescue, said, you know what, Tommy, because he calls me Tommy, just so you know, um, you're my boy. And I have accepted you because you have trusted in my finished work on the cross, because you have trusted in me. I accept you based on my performance, not yours. And that's never going to change. And the more that you find your home in my deep acceptance, my forever acceptance, you will be free to just love and shine as I work through with other people. And the people who accept you and love you, great. And the people who don't, you don't have to worry because the God of the universe loves you, accepts you. Will you accept that? And I said, Heck yeah. So I have this to remind me, not just of that, but the other things that I'm becoming aware of that are holding me captive, that he wants to set me free from. Maybe you can relate to something in your life. Whether in your heart, or, or that's me, that's me. And the, and, and, and the next one is not just being a captive, not just being poor, but be blind, blind. Blind. Yes! Blind. Thanks, man. Now, now, some of you follow Jesus or, or you know enough to know that as he went through life, he would heal people who physically could not see. But this goes, this goes deeper than just that. Now, you remember when we started off, there were some people who said, hey, no, I'm not broken. I'm good. I'm good inside out. I'm all, look, this might be you. This might be you. Because God talks about A kind of blindness that's not just on our eyes, it's in our minds. Where we can't see who we really are. And we can't really see who we were meant to be. And we can't really see the beauty of Christ who loves us even though we're broken. Who sacrifices for us. And we can't see that. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Check this out. He says, in their case, uh, the people who aren't buying this, the God, small g, of of this world, that's the enemy, has, has blinded the minds. Not the eyes, the minds of of people who won't believe to keep them from seeing the light, the glory of the gospel, the good news of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Look, um, there's blindness that keeps 
um, some of us, some of our family, a lot of our friends from seeing God every place we turn. And, and, and the glory of God and how much he loves you in the person and work of Jesus from seeing him in his word, from seeing him in his people. And it might be something else. You know, it might be something else for you. Sometimes we have blind spots in our lives. You say, what are they? I don't know. You can't see them. But you keep hearing about them because your friends can see them. And you see the evidence of them, right? There's some parts of our lives we see really clear. And then some we're kind of, we have blind spots. And then God talks about, Jesus talks about that when he says, you know, we, we see stuff in other people's lives that's wrong. We're really good at that. But ourselves, not so much. And he can heal you from those blind spots. Sometimes we're blind in another way. Sometimes there's something we have turned a blind eye toward because there's a hurt there. There's a piece of our past. There's a scar. There's a wound. And we're going to be blind to it. We're going to hide it. We're going to deny it because I can't bear to look at that. It was so painful. It was so shameful. It was so harmful. I'm going to be blind to that. But the thing that's dangerous about that is it's still controls a lot of what you and I do. The decisions we make, the relationships we have, the way we relate to people and God and ourselves. And if we turn a blind eye toward it, we could get so good at that that we no longer want to hold it up to the healer and say, even though I don't want to touch this, I want you to touch this because it's the only way it's going to be whole. And maybe you can relate to one of those forms of blindness. Finally, he said this, the oppressed. Now, sin will oppress us, its victims. And, and we don't use that word a lot, but here's what it means. It means brokenhearted, bruised, crushed, stressed, burdened, gutted by tragedy. People, and they respond to this by worrying, obsessing, cutting, trying to control the uncontrollable. Obsessed people are broken to pieces. And we saw an image of that, shattered and crushed. And maybe you can relate to that. So all of these things, when we talk about in prison or blind or poor or oppressed, they can all be balled up in, in, in one word, heartbreak or brokenhearted. And, and, and Jesus desperately wants to heal this. Here's a great promise for the brokenhearted. It comes from Psalm 147. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. This is a will heal. Yes, I know. At the time when everything's over and I die, he's going to heal. No, today he heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. That's what he was saying to them. This day it is fulfilled for you. So let's take a look at what being brokenhearted means. Maybe that's you, and if so, there's great, great hope. Maybe you're brokenhearted, you're disappointed with life. It hadn't turned out the way it was supposed to, the way it was meant to be. Other people have let you down. You looked to them, you needed their love. You expected their love, you deserved their love. They did not love you that way. They either could or they could and they denied that to you. Or maybe they did it the other way, they hurt you. And they hurt you deeply. And they hurt you deeply. Maybe they haven't ever seen the gift that you are. And this hurt, like we said, can control a big part of who we are and how we walk. And so maybe in defense, you, you build walls because you got heartbreak and you got hurt. And you don't want to experience this hurt anymore because it's serious and it's painful. But those walls work. They're very effective. 
And so they've kept you from feeling more hurt, but they've been so effective that they've kept you from healing as well. And and God wants to get behind that and crumble that down and, and touch it and heal it. The only people sometimes that can hurt you this deeply, like we're talking about, are the ones you let in deeply. They're the people that you trust the most, love the most. Maybe they're the ones who didn't stand up for you, who didn't fight for you, who could have stopped it and they didn't, or who did this. Maybe somebody abandoned you. This could be a child, a spouse, a a romantic interest that they just left. You know, they turned off the love spigot. Um, Maybe your source, your brand of brokenheartedness, is not, and it's not from any of this stuff. It's from somebody who got it right. There's somebody in your life who loved you lavishly, the way you dreamed, the way you desired, the way you needed. They just poured the love out onto you. And that was wonderful. But they left you because they died. Right? And so that love died with them. At least that's how you feel. And you feel like you should be over it by now, but you're not. Let me tell you, that can be a very significant part of heartbreak. And and Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I meant for you to love that love. I meant for that to be a commercial of what's available to you right now from me. You see, I was using that person to show you what I'm like. And I can heal that. I can heal that. So regardless of where you and I are, I want us to press into that promise that today is the day that Jesus is saying, not just to the people that are there. He's saying today, that, that can all start to change for you. And some of us, some of us who trust him and bank on, the, he's going to do something like that, like instantly. Others, he will start something instantly, but he'll do it over a period of time, very consistently, as it crescendos into greater and greater healing, okay? I mean, it's a little like watering a withered tree. Water is what the tree needs to live, but if you only water the tree once, that, that's good, but um, it's just a matter of time before it starts to wilt again, right? So he's going to do that for you. We talked about all the king's horses and all the king's men. They couldn't put Humpty together again. And and you and I are good at that part. We're good at looking for substances or experiences that are going to put that all together for us. My guess is if you're like me, you haven't found one. Some of us are looking for other people, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, just a regular friend to do that for us. And that's not what people were meant to do. Some of us um, are thinking, we're going to do this ourselves. Man, you give me enough time, I'm, I'm going to beat this like I beat everything else. How's that working out for you? So all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again, and that's where it ends? No. The good news that Jesus brings is it doesn't end there. It doesn't have to. Because while all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't pull it off, the king showed up himself and said, I love this broken one so much that I'm willing to become broken so that they can be healed. And what does that look like? That looks like the cross of Christ where he takes all of our brokenness, past, present, and future, 
and lets it kill him rather than destroy us. So that we can not only be forgiven, but we can be healed. He says, I would rather be bruised and broken in your place than see the brokenness and the imprisonment keep you from me and experiencing me regardless of what's happening on the outside. Do that for your heart. So we celebrate a meal that Christ gave us to remember what He's done. That He was our substitute, that He was our Savior. And He said... my body was broken for you so you might be healed this is my blood shed for you so you can be forgiven and in the scripture that he read maybe the most striking thing is today today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing the one who takes the poor and the desperate and becomes enough for them The one who takes the captive and says, in my arms your chains turn to dust. The one who takes the blind and says, let me help you see. Let me help you see how loved you are. How forgiving you are. Who I am and how I'm for you. The one who sees the oppressed and says, you are carrying and struggling under a burden that is just mine. Let me carry it through you today. If you know that you know that this is for you, then don't just eat bread. Don't just drink juice. Lift it up. Let him see the unseen. Let him touch the untouchable. There is rescue for you. It's better than you imagine. And it doesn't stop here. It just is getting started. So, if you belong to Jesus, in one sense all of us do, but some of us have fought that. If you have trusted Christ, His work on the cross and His resurrection for your hope and your life and your healing, this is for you. This meal is for you. Hey, we love you if you're not there. All I would encourage you to do is don't celebrate the symbol until you've celebrated the experience, the substance of that. Um, And we can help you with that. I'll tell you what I'll do. That back row of chairs by the exit door, uh, I'm going to hang out back there. If anybody needs encouragement or prayer or anything like that, just come by, okay? This is real. Think about those words. Don't just believe it because Tom said it. Believe it because Jesus said it here. And believe it as much because he's been saying it to your heart this whole time. He's the answer. He's your rescue. Taste and see how good he is and what freedom feels like. I love you. Let's do this. And then I have something that's pretty, pretty important to share with you.